0: Little Ragamuffins, I'm John Miller and welcome back to another edition of Everybody Trades. Thank you to you longtime listeners for being patient with me. I know it's been a couple, well, maybe three or four weeks, in fact, since I've done one of these episodes, but fear not, despite my very much busy schedule over at the Locked On Mizzou podcast, I'll be sure to get these babies out to you whenever I can, especially when inspiration strikes me, as it's certainly done today. And really, I have a lot of topics to get to today in a short period of time, as we always do here on Everybody Trades. And I want to start off with just the idea of what I would call fear-based thinking. And if those of you who are NFL fans will certainly remember this from a month back, but maybe even even if you aren't the biggest sports fan, you might remember this. Kirk Cousins, who is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, was interviewed in the media and, well, a lot of people took this interview. I can't remember who the original interview was with off the top of my head, but every single national outlet took a comment that Kirk Cousins said, Really, quite out of context. And here's what, just for example, the Washington Post said, Kirk Cousins, this is their headline. Kirk Cousins says of COVID prevention, quote, if I die, I die. And the New York Post, well, they're, 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 they're they're always, they're always balanced headline said, Kirk Cousins is fine getting coronavirus, quote, if I die, I die. Now, of course, the knee jerk reaction there. By people, many people who did not actually read the story or the interviews themselves were to believe that, well, Kirk Cousins, what an idiot. He must be one of these rubes who believes that COVID 19 doesn't even exist, yada, yada, yada. Except if you dig into the article, you'll find that, in fact, Kirk Cousins says, hey, I'm taking all this seriously. I'm wearing my mask, I'm doing the social distancing. I'm following all the rules, but basically, I'm not afraid of it. He says, basically, if it knocks me out, it knocks me out. He thinks he's going to be okay, and he says, you know, even if I die, if I die, I die. Basically, he's saying it's worth it to me to live my life to some extent. You know, I know people don't, some people hate this analogy, but I'm sorry, in terms of just pure risk-reward ratio, it makes sense. People get in automobiles every single day, and sometimes people die. And I think most people would, would have that attitude. They're not going to stop driving their vehicles throughout the country, throughout their city. And they say, well, you know what? It's worth it to me. That's essentially what they're saying. But, but most fascinating to me is the psychology here of the people who really shamed Kirk Cousins. And it's not just the random people on Twitter I mean, the Washington Post, the New York Post, the LA Times, ESPN.com, they all focused on the if I die, I die thing. And that was clearly to shame Kirk Cousins. And for what? That's really the question. Well, because it wasn't because Kirk Cousins didn't submit. See, that's the scary part of this to me, because Kirk Cousins submitted to your rules. He submitted to your shame, if you will. And yet that wasn't good enough because he didn't express fear. Now, frankly, that's a little bit frightening to me. The idea that these people, it's not good enough for them if you submit to their rules and follow their their guidelines. But no, you have to be just as fearful as they are, or they're not satisfied. What explains that exactly? Well, of course, this is just my theory, but it really strikes me that the people that I know in my life and have known throughout my entire life who live the least fear-based lives also rely on the government for almost nothing. Now, on the other hand, people who do live very fear-based lives end up relying on the state for quite a bit. Now, psychologically, we can get into why that is for certain, but that's just that's just my observation having been on this planet for nearly four decades now. But if my theory is correct and fear-based thinking and just fear in general in society, the more of that that there is leads to more people looking to the state for control over their lives and some sort of security, well, obviously, if you're in the, the administrative state If you are a politician, well, this is absolutely fantastic news for you. So I hate to say it, those of you, the type of people who write for the Washington Post, for instance, well, they're very much in that D.C. politically power-motivated bubble that all of those people in in actual politics, not just the media... They're, they all go together is what I'm trying to say. It's all just one big nasty soup at the end of the day. And these people all sort of have the mentali- that same mentality. And obviously, I mean, if you read the Washington Post, every single day there are headlines that are designed to scare you, right? So apparently it's either us as consumers, we either feed on fear to some extent or maybe both things are true. Maybe we feed on that fear and maybe the producers of content and also the producers of all of the policies and regulations that we have in this country, well, maybe they all, they all just love fear too and realize how profitable it can be when they peddle fear. So if somebody like Kirk Cousins comes out and despite the fact that he's following all the rules, if he says he's not fearful, well, by golly, we need to beat him down to show an example to the masses, don't we? Speaking of fear, what's truly frightening to me is that we've obviously forgotten what right and wrong really is in our society, especially when it comes to law. And this idea that morality is subjective is one of the scariest ideas that has frankly seeped into our educational system. We've gotten away from common law. We've gotten away from the ideas of of basic common law of for instance the stuff that's in the 10 commandments and the stuff that's in basically every major religion the kind of stuff of you know the basic thou shalt not kill and st- stealing all that kind of stuff well we've taken that and we've now we've now taken that sort of common law and turned it into government law and now we've all taken our cues of right and wrong from the administrative state, from the political apparatus in D.C. or in our state capitals or in our, in our city halls, wherever it might be, instead of actually learning our morality from where it came from for years, from our families, from our churches, from our communities. You know, I know my main focus on this program is usually economics. So uh, allow me to digress for just a second and point out when it comes to ethics, like for instance, if you pay somebody to mow your lawn, let's talk about ethics versus psychology for a second. Obviously in my world, in a world of free trade, of course there's nothing wrong with paying another human being to mow your lawn. Just know something. This is the psychological side of that. Just know that As soon as you start paying somebody to mow your lawn, that satisfaction you got from mowing your lawn every week, well, that's all going to completely disappear. Now, you would think, well, hey, I earned money some other way just because I traded that labor for somebody else's labor in terms of landscaping. Well, shouldn't that be just as satisfying? The reality is it isn't. That's just how our brains work. So you are losing something in that trade. There is a bit of satisfaction that's lost in our trade, but this is how human beings work, right? We are constantly trying to improve our lives, and in that process, we get a little bit lazy. And sometimes in that process of becoming lazy, we cheat ourselves out of something. Now, of course, this is where subjective values come in, right? It might be worth it to you to pay for somebody to mow, and you don't like mowing that much. That's all well and good. But my point in that little digression was that psychologically, in the same way that when you pay another human being to mow your lawn, you lose the satisfaction that you would have had mowing the lawn yourself. Well, when you farm out morality from outside of your family, from outside of your community, from outside of your church, when you farm out morality to the state, to the government – To to a point, to entities that basically are going to do what they want with that whole idea, the idea of right and wrong, it's not going to come from you anymore. Well, guess what? Something is also lost there as well. And what's obviously lost is, again, that common law tradition, which all religions, all major religions say that murder is wrong, for instance. Well, murder does not suddenly become okay just because a majority of people in Congress says so, for instance. And the same thing with theft. Theft is not suddenly okay because a majority of people in Congress agreed that it's so. And I think on that basic level, we can all agree with that, but somehow when it gets into the murky realm of the state and partisan politics, well, ethics is just Utterly and completely absent from that entire process. You would never treat your neighbor or your wife or your son or daughter the way people in Washington and in your local city hall, quite frankly, treat us every single day. For instance, the people at the city council in my city of Columbia, Missouri, well, they just recently had a restriction on bars. Couldn't be open past 9 p.m. Well, then very graciously recently, they've upped it to 10.30 p.m. Now, my question is, where do these people get the moral authority to tell me what to do with my property or any business owner what to do with their property? And if you don't have a better answer, frankly, then, well, a majority of people in the city council thinks that's the way that it should be, well, There's another thing that's obviously been lost in this recent transaction. So with all that being said, I frankly encourage all of you to live a little bit more like Kirk Cousins. And you know what? If you're not a big mask fan, that's okay. Put the thing on when you go into Walmart anyway, or these small businesses that are even more importantly, it's not as though all these small businesses want you to put on the mask or need you to put on the mask necessarily, but the reality is is they have to comply with this stuff or for le- they could be taken out legally in terms of the legal system and all that kind of good stuff so always keep that in mind but at the same time while you're following the laws while you're following the rules i should say that especially you know your local businesses are putting in place don't they've got enough problems don't be a problem for them on top of everything that they're dealing with but at the same time Don't live your life in fear. If there is a business that says, hey, you don't have to wear a mask, well, and you'd feel like don't wearing a mask, then don't. That'll be okay, too. But at the same time, of course, respect everybody, their wishes, their values, no matter how kooky you might think they are. But by golly, we all only get one life, and to live that entire life in a fear-based mentality is just no way to live, in my humble opinion. So with all that being said, thanks a lot for joining me right here on Everybody Trades. I will see you all next time.